98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It's noon on a Friday. That means it's time for all of your top sports stories in one place. It's Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here to bring us today's top stories. As always, Kellen, this is your first ever venture into Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Anything goes. I wish I had some lunch to actually wolf down. Right yeah, now. that's the one. <laughs> the downside. All right, here's Aaron. Aaron? Well, welcome, Kellen. We're happy to have you. Thank the you. Phoenix Suns look to set a franchise record for regular season wins tonight when they visit the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you think the Suns will break the franchise record tonight? What will you guys be looking for? Yeah, especially when Memphis decided to sit all their players, which I don't still fully get, but I, even if Memphis was playing their guys, I still think the Suns were going to do it. This is not a team that gets close uh, this season and then shies away from a win. So I think even if, if Memphis was at full strength with Ja, I would still pick the Suns tonight. I'm really going through my mental Rolodex here. I cannot remember if the Jaw floater at the buzzer was the last time they played Memphis. I'm the last not time they lost sure. to Memphis. Yeah. It's the only time they lost to Memphis. I can't remember if it was the first or the second game they played against them of the season, though. But regardless, this is one of those games where they go in with a certain edge and just proving again, like, we're not only the best team in the West, we're the best team in the world. It's like this extra swagger and confidence that they've had as a group, especially. It, it was the last West. time they played them. It was the last time they played them. They're going to kill them tonight. Yeah. Yeah. The Suns might be getting back a couple key bench pieces for tonight's game. Cam Johnson and JaVale McGee were listed as probable on the latest injury report. So does Suns GM James Jones have a number of games he'd like Cam Johnson to play before the playoffs? He told Burns and Gamble on Wednesday. No, I mean, we're just we're just going to take it game by game and let him continue to, to, to ramp up. You know, I, I would think he'd, he'd ask for all the games. Um, he's a guy that wants to play all the time. And, you know, you know, you only think uh, one or two games ahead when you're coming back from injury. So I think after a couple of games, we'll be able to see how he feels. How many games would you like to see Cam Johnson play? What are your expectations for him tonight? You know, at this point, you got six games left. I'm kind of fine just playing everybody the rest of the way. Let's ramp this up. This is the first time in a long time you're going to have the full team together tonight. It's only six games. I don't need Cam Johnson playing 40 minutes. I don't need Chris Paul playing 40 minutes in these games. But I, I'm I'm cool with them all just playing all the, these final six games. This is about exactly what I wanted, honestly. Have the whole team together for about a week. Then, as Kellen, as you said, you basically get a week off after that Sacramento game before the first playoff game anyway. Yeah, they'll be practicing and stuff, but they won't be going super intense. They'll be saving their legs and, and going through different things. For Cam, I think four or five games is where I wanted to see him, which is perfect with his time frame right now. If he comes back tonight, great. Probable indicates that he probably will. Probable, probably see what see I that did connection? there. That's how it works. It's you like just you just broke down the Latin you can version. question if they're going to play if they're questionable. What? See? Oh, it's all in there. Hold the on. Illuminati has told me everything. <laughs> in regards to Cam playing at four or five games, we talked about in an earlier segment just how much he needs his rhythm over the course of a, a season. We've kind of seen a couple of times now that he needs a couple of games every now and then, but just conditioning-wise, I think that he needs at least a couple of games to get back up to speed before the playoffs start. So Gambo, on his show yesterday, said don't be shocked if the Cardinals try to trade up to get one of the five really good edge rushers. 
So of the five, and I'm going to ask both of you guys, which one do you realistically think would be the best fit for the cars? Those five being Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker, or David Ojabo? Well, I mean, do we say Thibodeau to appease the, the Oregon producer? Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge. Oregon. The 2021 Pro Football Focus Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Thibodeau is a long pass rusher who has great strength and speed, which translates to explosiveness. He possesses a solid shoulder dip and lean, and he is strong in his pursuit of ball carriers due to his great motor. He does need to improve on how he uses his hands, and sometimes he struggles to recognize the plays the offense is running. But one scout for an NFC team said he will top out at 10 or 11 sacks in a season. NFL comp, four-time Pro Bowl linebacker, Brian Arakpo. So my first time filling in on this show, something to know about me, listeners, is that I'm accountable for myself and I say when I messed up, okay. I messed up. I, I knew that Aaron was going to play the profile when I said Kayvon Thibodeau for a player that is not going to play for the Arizona Cardinals next year. But go Ducks, she said she wants to hear about Kayvon Thibodeau. Who, we're going to play that profile during the draft in the first, what, two, three, four picks of the game. Yeah. So it's not going to be him. Well, hold on, though. Let's not just glaze glaze over the the fact that uh, Maloney randomly voiced the uh, the Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, I made sure. Draft capsule, yeah. I made sure. sure that wasn't. I Interesting that how that works. All right, but who do you guys want, then? That's who I want. Thibodeau, I think, is going to be the best of all of these guys. Um, but he's not going to be there for the oh, Cardinals. Awesome name. Hutchinson's boring. Kayvon Thibodeau is a much better <laughs> yes, draft now. That's draft base. Okay, John- so Johnson, so Johnson is the interesting one where he's risen up the boards a lot, right? He, he had the really great senior bowl combine, whatever it was for him, that had him go from around the 50s, 40s, to right now even being ranked in the top 10 by some people. Carloftis uh, is the other guy that seems to be the consensus fourth or fifth guy in that group. Walker is the guy that's still supposed to go in the top 10. So Johnson or Carloftis for me seem like the two reasons. Jermaine Johnson the second, Edge, Florida State. Johnson is a player on the rise. He was a full-time starter for just one season in Tallahassee after transferring in from Georgia, but he showed great strength, speed, and versatility during that span. The reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year called himself the best edge defender in the draft, and some experts agree, looking at his agility, tackling ability, and his relentless pursuit of the quarterback. Scouts have pinpointed lapses in awareness from time to time, but with more time and more reps, he can prove that last season was not a fluke. NFL comp Raiders D end Max Crosby. Yeah, I, I it would have to be Johnson or Karloftis. I kind of like Johnson a little bit more. I don't want anything to do with Ojabo. Not that I think he's going to have a bad career. It's just, again, that's an injured player, and the Cardinals are not in a position where they can draft a guy like that because they have to hit on these picks this year. George Karloftis, Edge, Purdue. Nicknamed the Greek freak of college football, this 275-pound, four powerhouse can explode out of his stance. During his three years as a starter at Purdue, Karloftis showed that even for his size, he is a very mobile defensive end. His ability to gain momentum and pass rush is part of the reason he had four and a half sacks during his junior year. Even though Karloftis is a strong inside presence, he can easily be overpowered by offensive tackles who get to him quicker because he does not have ideal length for a defensive end. NFL comp, Philadelphia Eagles defensive end, Ryan Kerrigan. Luke, do you remember what they called Andrew Wiggins coming into the draft to switch sports for a sec? 
No, and I should. He was out of Canada. I remember that. Maple Jordan is what they called him. So you would, you associate <laughs> Michael Jordan with someone. Don't associate the Greek. It's a different sport. Don't call yourself the Greek freak. You're talking about one of the best basketball players alive right now and one of the best probably of all time already. That's a high standard, even if we're going cross-sport nicknames there. Don't do not do that. He's from Greece. I get it, but don't do that. It sounds like you're out on Karloftis just because of that right there. Out. Out. <laughs> all right. Johnson. So the final four gets underway tomorrow. First, we'll have Villanova versus Kansas a little after 3 o'clock. Then just before 6, North Carolina and Duke will go head-to-head. So you guys got in both matchups. Uh, I'm never picking against Villanova again, so give me Villanova. And ah, that Duke game, I, I don't like Duke. I make it a point to typically not watch Duke. I, there's no way I, I'm missing that game. That's going to be I, I'm, and I don't think there's any way Duke loses that game. So I'll go Duke and Villanova. I'm with you. Uh, thrilled to see the Suns' schedule that they're only not only on the road, so there's no practice there, but also there's no game that night. So I'll be able to tune in, lock into those. That's the thing about covering sports that sometimes you miss the other sports instead. Yes, it's awesome that we get to cover sports, but then you're at a Coyotes game whenever there's a Final Four game not on this Saturday. Or no. did you just kind of stop paying attention when U of A lost? I, I, I Why wasn't. Did she have to do that. I wasn't. Uh, when did it, when was Oregon in the tournament? By oh, the way, oh, wow, when did they play? They didn't play this year in it. Why? Load management. Oh, ASU's we were been doing that for- since I was born. I got Duke. Uh, Paolo Bancaro had a really great like eight or nine minutes to close the game for them. I believe in the Elite Eight, not the Sweet Sixteen. It was one of those games, and that to me told him like big stage guy. He's ready. They've got a lot of guys like that. I really like uh, Wendell Moore. Keep an eye out for him on Duke. I, I really like his game as well. Give yeah. me Duke. I really like Duke because if the game's close, you know they're getting every call this uh, this particular Saturday. And today, guys, is April Fool's Day. April Fool's. <laughs> Just had to get Ron Wolfley a little drop in there. So have you guys ever had a cruel April Fool's joke played on you, or have you ever played one on someone? No, not really. I remember freshman year of college, one of our neighbors came over and set up like a like a, a water bucket. So every time the door would open, it would pour on anybody that came in. And just the way our, our dorm was set up, people were constantly coming. But nobody nobody was coming in that day, and he ended up dumping the water on himself at the end of the day, accidentally. So that's about the closest I can get to that. It was somebody playing a, an April Fool's joke on themselves in front of me. What a doofus. I haven't. It's not really my style. I, I don't know for whatever reason why I'm not a practical joker in that kind of way. But no, I just... I, I don't find the fun in it, to be honest, in April 1st. I'm kind like, of a Grinch on it. Enough to worry about in the world? Yes. That's a good way to put it right there. Like, there are definitely dozens of Lakers fans who thought their season was over when they read that text. Like, it is already over yeah, pretty much. Over. But they saw that and they're like, oh no, like it's over. And, and and all those people felt so bad for nothing, just for a laugh for LeBron James. The thing is, though, Kellen, if you became like a huge, like, April Fool's aficionado and this became your thing, you would be so off the radar at the start of it that you could basically pull anything over on anybody. This is true. I've got real estate to work with. Yeah. I see what you've done here. I feel like Maloney could do the same thing if she started just to like do devious things on April Fool's every year. The last two people anybody would suspect in this building are you two. Just keep playing pop punk as your April Fool's joke. That's our April Fool's joke. We can just call it that, right, Aaron? Our excuse to play it? Sure. Sure. That makes sense, kind of. I don't know. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Uh, Thank you, Aaron, as always. And when we get back, the Suns have the chance to make history in Memphis tonight. Just how confident are you? They're going to get this done right away. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Listen live on the Arizona Sports app.
Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. They have proven for months on end that they are the best organized, depth, defense, offensive coach teams in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are still the team to beat in the Western Conference. They have been the best team in the NBA for 98% of this season. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Yeah, this was supposed to be a real good one tonight. And I guess it still could be. It could still be a good game. The Suns are going for win number 63. So that right there makes it a potentially historic one. Kellen Olsen in for Wolf today. Kellen, I think you and I are in agreement, especially when you look and realize the last time the Suns played Memphis, they did lose to them on that John Morant buzzer beater where he levitated. And if they were to lose to Memphis tonight, they'd actually have a losing record against the team in the NBA, which seems unheard of for this team because they don't have a losing record against anybody. So I think you and I are in agreement they're just going to roll tonight. But please, please tune in on our programming, but yeah. Yes, you know, definitely listen to make sure they roll anyway. Um, It'll be fun. It will be set the franchise fun. record for wins. <laughs> I gotta say, time. after watching a lot of losing, winning is more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, this is the two extremes. Um, this Memphis team, though, is the one here. What's their record now without Ja? I think they're eighteen and two without Ja Morant. Ja Morant has been a machine when he has played. They are the. They've got to be the youngest team in the NBA. Uh, ESPN put out their their rankings of um, you know NBA futures. They ranked every team based on what their future looks like. Memphis was number one. The Suns were three. Miami, I think, was two. If they don't all kill each other on the sidelines of a game, but the 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 direction Memphis is going is sort of similar to where Phoenix was a year ago. Where okay, here's this team. All of a sudden, they're really good and they're in the playoffs and they could be dangerous. Where do you come out on Memphis when they're at full strength, Kellen? Because to me, they're the great mystery in the Western Conference. It's the right way to describe them. I think we need to see how Jaw works an extended playoff series when he's really bottled down to playing in the half court. That's really the great equalizer of the playoffs and where. Chris Paul is an even bigger advantage in the playoffs than he is in the regular season just because of how bottled down a lot of these games get. And we got to see how that looks for Ja. He was awesome in, in their first-round exit last year. Like It wasn't a competitive series, but he was fantastic. Dylan Brooks was fantastic as well. The thing that is really interesting about Memphis and how they match up with the Suns is that they... Position to position, they match up just about as well as any other team because down low, they've got Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., they've got Tillman as well. They've got size, and they've got good size down there too. And then you look on the wing, that's where you get to Dylan Brooks, you get to Desmond Bain, you get to those guys who can really match up with Mikel Bridges, and they can match up with them Booker as well. And then Ja versus Chris Paul, you're talking about arguably the two best point guards in the NBA right now, and I think that's a fair statement to make that they've been the two best point guards in the league this year. It's like literally... If that's a word, on a linear, linearly, on a linear sense, let me self-edit myself, the writer here. Uh, that they just line up great with the Suns, but the, but the matter is such a writer move, right there. If you're just talking on the radio for a living, you just say words that aren't real. Moving on, <laughs> they've got depth too. Yeah. I, I did not bring up Kyle Anderson. Zaire Williams as a rookie has been. They've done a really great job there and what Taylor Jenkins has done there is just start a guy who probably shouldn't be starting but he's getting him more minutes right now because he knows how important he will be for them 
right now. Like You need him to progress a little bit more than he does in a normal rookie sense when you'd be playing this guy maybe 13, 14 minutes a game. Someone like John Conchar might have been playing over him. But they're giving him serious minutes, 21 minutes a game. He started 28 games already. Tyus Jones is a really good backup point guard. D'Anthony Melton has has turned into quite the... Everything went really well with the James Jones rebuild. I'm not going to sit here and say they messed up anywhere, but giving up D'Anthony Melton was a tough part of that Josh Jackson deal, and he has come back to show why. That's a guy averaging 20 points per game over the six, last six they haven't played without jaw, and he's playing still 24-25. So we're talking about a guy, if he was playing 35-36, he would be up there with, with averaging like 30 a game right now over this stretch. He's been phenomenal. My favorite thing about this team... They have one guy averaging over 30 minutes a game, and it's John. He's at 33. Then they've got everyone else playing less than that. They like to play 9, 10, 11 guys because they have that deep of a team. Now, how much does that correlate to the postseason? We're going to find out, and, and that's why you say mystery, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, I didn't want to sound like Aaron Rodgers when they said it, but yeah, it's a beautiful mystery, the Memphis Grizzlies. Who knows really what they, what they are? Um, they would... <laughs> If it, if it wasn't this year's Suns team, if it was just, hey, the Suns are a good playoff team and they're going to be the two seed or something, or even if the Suns were the team to beat, but they weren't this far ahead of everybody and they just they, they weren't everything that comes with the Suns team, the confidence and the, the killer instinct and what they do in the fourth quarters and the talent, if they were just a normal number one seed, Memphis would scare me because I would look and say, the only way you're probably going to beat a team that's the number one seed is with a little bit of the unknown and the upside and I have a lot of confidence in John Morant for the reasons you just laid out and it, I mean... I think everybody has a lot of confidence in John Morant that he will be able to do just as well in the playoffs, if not better. So they would scare me. It's just hard to scare me with this version of the Suns. But when you look around the Western Conference, it has gotten really jumbled now, even from where it was a couple weeks ago. The Lakers are right now out. They're not even in a play-in spot. Uh, Memphis is the two-seed. Okay, Dallas is technically the three-seed now. Golden State's the four. Utah just finally won, but they were on a losing streak. They're the five. Denver's the six. And it looks like Denver's probably going to be the six. For a while there, it was Denver and Minnesota going back and forth. But now the way these these playoffs have played out, or the regular season has played out, the playoffs could, in theory, go Suns face the Clippers in round one, Golden State in round two, Memphis in round three. That's, that's tough. That's not an easy path. That's really challenging. The thing that's so interesting about Memphis to me is that we're talking about the Warriors so much this year, but... Man, Seth's going to be, I think, 35 next year. Like, they are getting up there in age. But Memphis, Joss 22, Desmond Baines 23, Jaron Jackson Jr. is 22, Dylan Brooks is 26, Anthony Melton's 23. We just mentioned Williams. He's a rookie. They're going to be around for a long time, and these might be the two teams that are at the top of the West for the next five, six, seven years. And if there's, like, a lesson to learn within that, it's just how much drafting well can make a difference. You look at this team up top, they nailed John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. as those top picks, but you grab Desmond Bain at 30, you get Dylan Brooks in the second round. That Bain pick was unbelievable. You, I hated it at the time because it was Memphis had established by then, like getting Brandon Clark, getting these guys, that it's just that they're going to be able to find talent there. And Bain was a guy that I particularly liked for the Suns in that draft as well. But then the margins, yeah, we'll pick up the Anthony Mellon to take on some money. That's fine. We'll see what he has in him. It turns out he's one of the best six men in the year this year. And then they make these moves three, four years ago where they sign Tyus Jones and and. Kyle Anderson, these three, four-year deals where you're like, okay, you're looking at those terrible Suns teams back then and looking like how much does Rashawn Holmes really matter on a 20-win team? He's like a nice piece, but why does he matter? It matters when you're a really good team, and now Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones are two huge parts of what they do. And now we're talking about 10 guys. You had Xavier Tillman in that draft class of just getting a guy at 35 who can be a really good backup center. 
You look at the Suns, it's the same thing. Like They nailed Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, they reached on Cam Johnson, but boy, did they actually not reach, and, and some other teams should have reached for him instead. DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, like you nail drafting in the NBA, and it takes you a long, long way. You know, I want to go back to something you said in there, too, of, of Memphis and Phoenix really are lined up to be the teams to beat in the Western Conference for the foreseeable future, and I get that stuff changes, and foreseeable future isn't 10 years, it's probably three years, let's say, uh, but... But those really are the teams. You know, last year when the playoffs ended, I thought I thought Phoenix and I thought Denver. And Denver, I guess, maybe would be the third team if you're talking a few years here. I mean, it's so hard to evaluate them because they haven't had Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. in so long that if, if they had Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and those guys were good to go for the next three years, that's a tough team. But, you know, it's kind of like Golden State at this point. We haven't actually seen it. It's just it's a hypothetical team. The Lakers will trip and find LeBron James somewhere or Pau Gasol like they always do. So they'll they'll be in the mix in a couple oh, yeah, years probably true. again. It'll it always happens for them. But it, it is it is really interesting looking at the forecast of the West and when you look at all these big name franchises and it could be the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies who are running things here for the next five or six years. It's really cool too. I I love it. Where do you real quick here? But since we're just kind of looking around the conference, where do you come out on Dallas? Because to me, I, I see a team with Dallas that's not nearly as talented as some of these other teams. But they're the three seed and they do. Have of Luca. Luca is one of the best seven, eight players in the league right now. He is a superstar. He is worn down in two straight postseasons, and what they have continued to not do until this trade deadline is get another ball handle around him. Spencer Dinwiddie being with him enough helps, but he is worn down two straight postseasons because he's just asked to do way too much. And in those series in the postseason where he's lost in the first round both times, he was incredible in those series, but you could tell his legs were starting to go a bit. And I just wonder about how much he can carry that load each year, and I still have questions about it this team. Like, he really needs that true number two. I mean, I was in here talking with you guys during the trade deadline about the Porzingis deal, and I just thought they were better just getting rid of Porzingis. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't care who came in. <laughs> Addition by subtraction. You just don't have to play this guy anymore. He clearly didn't belong on the court anymore with that group, and, and they've really been opened up by it. They're playing really good basketball right now. Jason Kidd specifically has him playing really good defense right now. But again, Luka is just doing so much and compared to a Suns team like that, that that has so many different options and they're looking around at Dorian Finney-Smith, like Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming back from injury. They've got Spencer Dinwiddie in, Maxi Kleva. Like it's, it's not have to really play out of his mind. Not really. As, it would have to be Luka having one of the best series ever pretty much, yeah. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Kyler Murray tops CBS list of big-name players that could still get dealt this offseason. Do we really even believe that's still an option at this point? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. This is going to be interesting because we haven't heard Kellen's thoughts on this yet. Of all the time we've spent in the last two months talking about Kyler Murray, I don't even think I know your stance. Actually, I do know your stance on this, but we haven't heard it on the air yet. So Kellen Olsen is in for Wolf today. So let's just start. Let's start big picture with this, okay? <laughs> Kellen, just take me back over your emotions the last two months with, uh, with the Kyler Murray stuff while I pull up this article. As the great Terrell Owens once said, that's my quarterback. <laughs> and that's my quarterback. So if he has to scrub his Instagram account to get through what he's getting through, 
Go on, King. Go off. I support him all the way. Look, it, this is a mess. It's just a complete mess. I, I don't think we can look at it either either other way. Like when the Instagram scrubbing happens, we're talking about it the second or third day in these studios. I'm like, why are we talking about this still? What's happening? Well, what happens is people start to poke around now because they hear about this Instagram scrubbing. Like, is something going on here? And then we get these reports the day of the Super Bowl that. Well, there's something going on here from the perspective of a couple of different people, at least in the organization, about the most important person in the organization. Yeah, let's pause there for a second. How much did Super Bowl Sunday suck this year? You start seven and zero. You're ten and two. You're thinking, hey, the Cardinals could be in the Super Bowl, and instead, you get to watch the Rams win the Super Bowl while the pregame show is talking about how the Cardinals are collapsing. That was fun. These, re- these reports come out, and I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. I didn't need to know this. This isn't great. Yes, Kyler is not a over-the-top leader. He's not making pregame speeches every week when we go out, I bet. That would be I weird don't if he did. that. It's okay. What I need is one of the best 8 or 12 quarterbacks in the league for you to be right now, which he kind of was last year, so I was fine with it. I don't care that he's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Being a leader, being a football guy, talking to his brothers in there, his brothers in arms on the trenches, I don't care at all. I don't. Now, some people care, which is where these reports come from, that he's he's not a great leader, all this kind of stuff, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Then, I'm holding my phone up like two inches from my head (laughs) to read this stupid (laughs) statement that looks dumb. It just looks dumb, first of all. it It looked very dumb. It looks so stupid. And you know what's stupid about it? That it's stupid too. The text of it is stupid. If you can actually read it, it's how, dumb. How many people I do you it. know that actually read the entire Eric Burkhart tweet? The first Kevin one? Zimmerman because he had to read it for our website to yeah. get the context of it and what was being said in there. But so now I we're think doing... the rest of us got like eight or nine chapters in, and we were like, "I'm just gonna wait for the movie." So now, in what you have been talking about for weeks and months, and going back maybe even a year at this point about his extension, when it's going to come up, we have learned. Doesn't happen in March. Doesn't really happen in April. We gotta wait a bit. They say, "Uh, uh-uh. we're not. We're we're gonna start this thing now. We're gonna make it publicly known. <laughs> it's there is not enough going wrong with this franchise that we need to make it publicly known that our quarterback is in the middle of these contract negotiations that clearly aren't going well, or else he wouldn't be going public with this. And then Steve Time and Cliff Kingsbury. Everyone expects me to roast them at this part. They say what they need to say. That's an agent doing his job. Like we. We'll talk about it. We'll have the negotiations. We want to see him here long term. What else are they supposed to say? And so now you are going to be talking about Kyler Murray every week until football starts if he does not have a contract extension. I never you are at going it that to be way. talking about him now. Ugh. Were you going to be talking about him if he didn't scrub his Instagram account like a high school sophomore going through a breakup? No. You wouldn't be. But now you are. And now there's all this extra attention on my quarterback. That he created himself. I'm just upset about this. I do not need this. <laughs> this, this was like if Kellen did the Bickley Blast. That's what that was. Uh, I don't disagree with, with much of that at all. Um, the, the toughest, the, the most frustrating part at the beginning was, like you said, the first couple of days, and I said this to Wolf yesterday, I kind of had the same thought of like, okay, this isn't nothing. It, 
he scrubbed all the stuff. I, I understand it's something, but it feels weird talking about it because it could easily be played off as nothing. Things could could work out, and Kyler could do what he's done and be like, "Oh, come on, I'm 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 just a kid. How do I know what what am I? I'm just scrubbing stuff. That's what people do. It's really not what everybody in their mid twenties does. But okay, um, but that could have easily been played off that way." Until that letter from Eric Burkhart, and then it's like, okay, well, this definitely is something. And if you if you still don't believe it is, then you're just living in denial. I, w- I you could talk me into it before that that it was just, we were, everything was just being overblown. The second the agent puts that out there, something's up. But where that gets us all to right now, Kellen, is uh, CBS has this list of of big name players Ugh. that uh, that could still be traded, and oh some of these. God. Here we go. Okay, I cannot so, believe this. Christian McCaffrey's on here. Yeah, um, which you know, I. I don't know what Caroline is doing. Whatever. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I would assume he's getting traded. That would be surprising if he didn't. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he better get traded. That would be the wrong move not to, because if you can get first, second round, third round picks for all these guys, you're going to get some for Baker Mayfield. You've got Deshaun Watson. You should trade that man. Uh, DK Metcalf is interesting because the Seahawks, if they really are in a full rebuild, they probably should at least consider moving him, although I, I think it's dangerous to trade a guy like that. It's also dangerous to not draft him and take Andy Isabella over him. And then uh, the first name on the list, and they're not necessarily ranked in any order, but the first name is Kyler Murray. I got to say, Kyler Murray getting traded this offseason at this point would shock me. I would actually be shocked. Well, why is it getting brought up? Because of what I just vented about for yeah. four minutes, and that's what makes me so upset. We're going to, like, round and round we go. We're on the ride. We're not getting off anytime soon until this man signs on the dotted line to something. We're Which just gonna I, I think is going soon. around. I think. Don't you think that's uh, by soon? I mean this offseason. I hope so. And the part that I left out was that, and I forgot, was that Kyler came out with a statement that said, "Like I, I love being a Cardinal, all that kind of stuff." Between the statement that no one could read and those reports coming out, he did back up just everything, and that was great. And that was where I was like, "Okay, no, nothing, no more, no more." Oh just no, stop there was there. more. There's Please still going there. to be more. Like there was always going to be more after the reports came out that did on on the day of the Super Bowl, but with all of that in mind, yes, his name is going to get thrown into articles like this. It doesn't make sense why they should until all this stuff happens and now people have to speculate because that's what we do when there's five months left or however many months are left until football starts again. We're just going to be speculating. We're going to be speculating about Baker Mayfield getting traded, Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded. Until all these things happen, until he signs his contract and makes it clear that his long-term commitment is to the Arizona Cardinals, people are going to keep speculating about this man. And you know what they wouldn't have been doing? They wouldn't have been speculating if someone had just deleted Instagram once the season ended. Just deleted it. But, again... My quarterback. I love him. <laughs> just, I support him. You can, you all can the way. love somebody and be frustrated with them at the same time. That's all this is, Kyler. You're my guy. Through and through. I've been the one defending you when all these people are talking nonsense about you. Talking about, eh, Josh Rosen, that. No. Screw Josh Rosen. You were our guy, Kyler. You have proven to be our guy on the football field. Now just do a little bit more off the field here to back it up. And I'm not talking about, again, I don't need you up on your locker telling the guys what, no, it, that. If that's not your style, you're not that kind of guy, I don't want you to fake that. That's worse. You just invoked the name Josh Rosen in 2022. Um, but what you actually, the last thing you just said is what was so frustrating for me about it at the beginning was because Kyler Murray is not the, Kyler Murray's a little bit different, right? He's not the sort of guy that if if there is a media swirl around him, he's going to He's going to go on the Pat McAfee show or whatever. He's he's not going to he's not going to go on ESPN and and put together a five minute speech about how much he loves Arizona and things have gotten out of hand. That's just not the way he's wired, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Except at the start of all this, he was the one kind of creating the storm, and I just remember thinking like he's not going to be able to contain this if it gets to that point, and he really hasn't been able to for the. Mo- I mean, 
to your point, he's still showing up in articles like this. Like when he's when he's making that donation last week and he says flat out, no, I'm an Arizona Cardinal. I'm not worried about my future here. That to me, that's good enough for me. But nationally, that's not going to be. And so there's going to be speculation about the Cardinals at the most important position. You're right until he resigns. It's funny that you brought up the point on Josh Rosen because I'm going to c- conclude this segment with a point on Josh Rosen and why Josh Rosen is an example of why this all matters so much. I do not need to be looking at a team like the Atlanta Falcons being in their position trying out Josh Rosen for the sixth time. He's going to play for every NFL team at this point. They're going to everyone's going to make sure Josh Rosen isn't a guy. Why do teams have to keep doing that? Because it's really, really, really hard to get a good quarterback. I watched John Skelton. I watched Kevin Cobb. Enough. I do not need to see Josh McCown anymore. Luke McCown. All the McCowns. No more McCowns. I'm done. There's so many McCowns that I you don't want to try another one. I just want to see the really one. young, talented quarterback that my franchise has never had stay here and be a superstar that he can be because I do not want to go back to that life. Look, Seattle got a great decade with Russell Wilson. Guess what? It sucks now. You've got Drew Locke. It happens. Tough stuff. <laughs> Nobody's safe in this rant. Guess Even what? Drew Locke. The Broncos need to savor every moment they had with Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson because you never know when you're going to be back to Locke again. And the same thing applies for every other team that's in there, like Carolina with Cam Newton. Now they're going through all the Sam Darnold stuff. Like So many teams are put in that position. The Cardinals should not be put in that position. And all of this is nonsense because, again... The most important guy in the organization. I don't think that's said enough. He's the most important person out of the hundreds of people that work for that organization. It is him. And it is happening with him. Yeah. And he's the one that initiated it. Whether he meant to initiate it or not. I just can't believe you You just glazed right over Marcus Mariota in Atlanta and your microphone is still on. I'm surprised Maloney just didn't cut power to the room. I feel great, by the way. Thank you for letting me vent there in that space. Thank you, listeners, for listening. I feel tremendous. I needed to get that off my chest. Okay, good, because we're getting back into the suns when we come back. It's the last shot to participate in the madness. Text Bucks to 620-620 and choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. That's Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks, presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. When we come back, what is the case for Mikel Bridges winning Defensive Player of the Year and is Monty Williams a lock for Coach of the Year? We've got Kellen here, so we're going to go deep on it. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. The Suns run to the playoffs, presented by Canvas Annuity. All right, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that Kellen Olsen is here. And we're going to get in-depth on this uh, Mikhail Bridges thing, because every possible metric I've looked at, every, I mean, just watching the games, I, I, it's getting harder and harder to convince me that he shouldn't be Defensive Player of the Year, or at least, I mean, he's got to be like the thinnest margin of error for somebody else to win it. If you want to tell me it's Giannis, it's hard to ever argue with Giannis. Fine. But I, I Mikel Bridges is the best defensive player on the best team in the NBA, and it's not as simple as that. He's one of the two or three best defensive players in the league, and he's on the best team in the NBA. And the Suns would not have the record they have right now. They'd not be going for the franchise record tonight if they didn't have Mikel Bridges. So, Kellen, I don't know what you're going to say here. You may just completely dispute everything I just said. You have a look on your face like you want to just go off on Kyler Murray and the whole situation. But I'm going to let you go here. Make the case one way or the other on Mikel Bridges. 
I want to hear the Black Parade the whole time. That's what I want to hear. I was just jamming out in my head the whole time, and then I heard your Chemical I just said, "Yeah, <laughs> you like, saw me talking, but yeah. you just saw my Chemical Romance behind me." I know what this segment me. is about, and then I just forgot and got stuck in the song. That's okay, fine. we can play I the guess, whole CD. I guess I have to talk about the sports now, Aaron. But thank you so much for doing that. Just so you know, when there's a rejoin played by Aaron, it's always like it's always still there. If you call for it, she'll just pot it up as if it's still playing. Oh my gosh, she can, she can play like the tail end for me randomly. I'll really appreciate it. Okay, so Mikel Bridges for Defensive Player of the Year. This is really complicated. Complicated because every award is complicated. I got an email this morning. I'm not signed up for the Orlando Magic emails from like their emailing team. Is anybody? Oof! Wow. We're now okay. I'm so just, like, I'm I just get to, wondering. I, now we're just taking shots. Like I, we took our shots at Josh Rosen last segment. That's fine. <laughs> but the Orlando Magic catch us straight now. All of a sudden, yeah. so I'm not signed up for any of the Orlando Magic emails by any means. But like I got on their list because like the Suns were in town and they send out the Zoom links to everyone like when they're there. Like that's perfectly fine. All that I got an email from them. So like someone from their staff very smartly grabbed all of the emails that they accounted for over the year from every single team and sent out this release. Here's why Franz Wagner should be first team all rookie. And it's this super duper long thing. And it's great. Like they should be doing that. I'm fine with getting that email. Okay. And that comes up with award season because it matters that you're being presented as a candidate, but it also matters how your case is being presented. And my fear with Mikel Bridges for defensive player of the year, I believe he should be defensive player of the year. I do not think that he is getting the right, presentation of what his argument should be. And what I mean by that is this is the guy who's played the most minutes in the league. He's not missed a game yet this year. And what he does for Chris Paul and Devin Booker, no one else does across the rest of the league. Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in Boston with Marcus Smart, like they're guarding their own guy still, but they're not saving Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown from a more taxing workload by scaling up and down positions like he does on such a consistent basis on guards. Like Marcus Smart is a guard. He's guarding a guard. McCubbers is a wing who's defending guards, which allows Chris Paul to go sit on Kyle Anderson tonight or whatever it's going to be, right, When with whoever's handling the ball or if Melton's in and he's covering Melton, however their lineup goes with the guys that they're going to have out. That is the value in Mikel Bridges, allowing those guys to rest where they can and doing so in a way where he's almost always on the floor with the highest minute total of anyone else in the league. He has the longest running streak in the league right now through multiple years of consecutive games played. He has not missed a game yet in his career. He just passed 300 recently. That's the longest active streak in the league. I have not heard this anywhere on any of these TVs up here. We have ESPN over there. We have NFL Network over there. That could be NBA TV or whatever. Oh, they, they, those I have two not... TVs just talk about Anthony Davis all day, every day. Nah, that's true. Yeah, maybe there's like some Kevin Durant stuff after today. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I haven't heard that kind of stuff on these arguments, which is the problem. I've heard Mikel Bridges brought up, but I haven't heard the right kind of case being presented because I think that's the right case for him, but it's not. And that's all awards season is. Giannis's MVP odds on one site went from 17 plus 1700 to plus 600 just because he had that game last night on TNT. If that game's not on TNT, his odds don't drop. Yeah, well that all that stuff's stuff, ridiculous. That's what I'm but that's how ridiculous yeah, all no, this is. I know. So you have to present it in the right way where Monty Williams is just going to do so by winning 65 games and then they're going to be like, oh crap, yeah, we should have given it to him last year. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau's New York Knicks got eliminated from playoff contention last night. I think the Suns are either going to sweep everybody in the playoffs or walk off the floor and refuse to play if Monty Williams doesn't win Coach of the Year. They were pissed last year. They that's should what, have That's been. what Monty said. The players, he was not even kind of registering how he felt about it yet from when he told us. He had his door open and he could hear the players were just pissed about it. Yeah. And he said that was all he needed. He just needed to hear his players upset about it and that put everything in perspective and he was cool with it. But 
he he's going to get it back. I mean, that's pretty locked in at this point. I'd say it would just, be crazy. Just to reiterate too, by the way, the guy who won last year, Coach of the Year, over Monty Williams, Knicks fans want him fired already, and they wanted him fired midway through this season. Their star player has been getting booed during intros lately. Julius Randle has been getting booed. Oh, it is New lately. York. That's it true. is New York. To be fair, but the Mikel Bridges thing, like he just needs the right case. I don't know if he's getting. It. I, I will say this, and it wasn't necessarily a story making the case specifically for Mikel Bridges, but ESPN did have something about a week ago that did at least dive into the whole argument of, look, they, they did the whole, he's travel he travels, he spends like 1.3 miles per game, I think they said, just playing defense. And, and they made the case, or the argument at least, of look what he does and what it allows Chris Paul and Devin Booker to do. Devin Booker's gotten better defensively. Chris Paul already is good defensively. But if you have a guy on your team that can make it so they don't have to do that extra work nearly as much and they can just focus on scoring 35 points and having 17 assists tonight, that's uh, that's a pretty nice that's a, it's a nice luxury to have and that's how you go 62 and 14. They did at least look at how Mikel Bridges helps those two be able to focus on on offense, but it wasn't a like it wasn't a piece that says this is why Mikel Bridges should win. They just made the case for like eight different guys. The guy I'm going to be offended, and it's not like he's not a good player, but if Marcus Smart wins Defensive Player of the Year over Mikel Bridges. I'm not going to be happy. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but usually and when Wolf's here, I tell him I'm just going to break one thing in the studio and we can try and figure out what it is together or I can just come in here and smash something at 10 o'clock at night. That would just be East Coast bias, in my opinion. Yeah. But that does exist. We've seen that exist. And look, I've just seen the Suns, particularly Devin Booker, get slided in these types of things for a couple of years. So I don't expect Mikel Bridges to win. I don't expect Devin Booker to win for a small NBA. I do expect mine to get coach of the year, just like I expected James Jones to get executive of the year last year. Like that, that stuff is like a lock at this point. But to that point, you just got to see it and, and until we believe it. And, and Mikel really does deserve it with the year he's had. But unfortunately, that is an award, by the way, that is predominantly won by centers. I think there's only been like six winners in the last 20. 25 years that weren't centers that were perimeter players and were guarding other guards and and Mikel has talked about that how much more difficult that is but with that being said it's just not in his favor right now the odds aren't he's um if he doesn't win it this year he's gonna win it at some point isn't he I mean the guy's not gonna drop off anytime soon he (laughs) he plays 50 minutes and then has more energy left after the game uh and like you said he's never missed a game he just plays in every single game so I have to think if nothing else he has put himself on the radar people nationally are actually like watching the best team in the NBA now and they're like wait this team is (laughs) this team is better than the Lakers maybe we should check them out and this Mikel Bridges guy's really good defensively by the way having the best offensive season of his career he's not just standing in the corner like some defensive players do he's he's playing a legitimate role in their offense that matters too wanted to get into the Devin Booker, whether or not he's going to make first-team All-NBA conversation. Maybe we can fit that in later on in the show, because... There's a lot of good guards this year, but... Uh, Brutal field, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to clear. Uh, coming up, the Cardinals have pretty much three primary needs when it comes to the NFL draft. So what does history tell us with those positions in the draft? We'll get into that next. Kellen did research, and he's going to explain it to us. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Kellen Olson's in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.